0: In your face. Joined by Sean Mulcahy from the Rainbow Local Government Campaign. Sean, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you, James, for having me on.
0: What's news on the Rainbow Local Government front?
1: Uh, We've just recently had Coming Out Day. Uh, And during Coming Out Day, we asked councils across Victoria to put on an event, put something on their social media, raise the flag in support of the LGBTIQA plus community. Now we know this is important because increasingly councils across the state have come under attack for LGBTIQA plus inclusion initiatives, especially things like drag story time or pride formals for young people. So it was a really good opportunity for councils to send a message they stand by their LGBTQA plus communities in the face of these attacks.
0: What an absolutely fantastic initiative, especially in regional areas. I imagine it broke the ice for some people to come out. Absolutely,
1: and we all know how difficult uh, coming out can be. Uh, many of us have been through that experience ourselves. And so our message to councils is that they need to come out in support of their LGBTIQA communities. And through having them out and visible in their support for us, that gives people in local communities, particularly in rural or regional areas, the confidence to be able to say this is a place and a space where I can feel comfortable to be out about who I am as well.
0: And I imagine it's an opportunity for some councillors, dare I say it, to show some leadership and perhaps come out themselves.
1: Well, thankfully, uh, the amount of LGBTIQA plus councillors in Victoria is bigger than ever. Uh, We've just recently had our first openly trans councillor elected in a countback in Colac otway a regional area, that's really significant. And we've got more and more um, lesbian, gay and bisexual counsellors across the state. And I also want to acknowledge that Victoria has the first ever intersex mayor in any um, municipality in the world uh, in Tony Breffery and Hobson's Bay. And I uh, had the wonderful pleasure of joining Tony at the Western Pride Awards, which was celebrating the work of community organisations and councils across Western metropolitan area in supporting LGBTIQA plus communities. It was a wonderful night.
0: I saw that and I agree. I was really impressed with that initiative. We need more acknowledgement of our broad Church of a Rainbow community in Victoria with more awards. So great that Tony and Hobsons Bay we showing leadership there. Now, on the leadership front, is there another councillor perhaps that jumps out where you've gone, gee, they're kicking some goals?
1: I think so many of our councillors across the state are doing fantastic work, and it seems almost cruel to recognise one out of the many. Um, we'll be catching up next week with Jamal Hakim who's one of the councillors at Melbourne City Council, having a chat with him about our campaign to set up an LGBTIQA plus advisory committee for the City of Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne City Council is doing fantastic work to support the LGBTIQA plus communities. They had over 200 people marching under a City of Melbourne banner at this year's Prime March. So hats off to our uh, very active uh, Melbourne City Mayor, Sally Katz, for rounding up the troops. It was so wonderful to see so many of them there. But it's important that um, we have a community mechanism to have a voice on the work that council does and that's why having an advisory committee in the City of Melbourne and in our councils all across the state is so incredibly important.
0: Yeah, Jamal is everywhere on social media and I love the fact that a queer person has the creative portfolio for the City of Melbourne and that in turn the City of Melbourne is really supporting the queer arts. It is flourishing at the moment.
1: Absolutely, and thats it's just so great to see. And um, so many councils are doing so many different things in supporting uh, LGBTIQA plus art and artists, and it, it's, it's really important, especially, I think, um, particularly for performing artists, and I've got a background as an actor myself, it was incredibly difficult during the COVID years where everything was locked down. So the more that we can do to support our creative industries, particularly our performing arts industry, the better, I think. And councils have a strong role to play in supporting uh, LGBTQA plus artists in the broader art industry.
0: I mean, the Rainbow Local Government campaign started off by, you know, trying to get all the councillors to fly the rainbow flag for Ila Hobbit, and every single one of them is doing it now in Victoria. Do you think that that was, you know, the basis for a tipping point where all of a sudden councils were like, well, gee, that wasn't that hard. Now we can perhaps broaden out and do other stuff. And you're starting to, you know, reap the rewards from that.
1: Yeah, and look, James, a lot of people might go, it's just a flag, what difference does it make? But... I firmly believe that it starts a conversation. People come along to these flag-raising ceremonies and they meet their councillors, they meet their council CEO, they meet their senior council officers and they start talking to them about what it's like to be an LGBTIQA plus person in in, in their local area. And then it gets a council to understand the needs of LGBTIQA plus people that live, work and recreate in their local areas too. And then hopefully the next step is for councils to do what Melbourne did and march in Pride March is another visible display of inclusion and acceptance of LGBTIQA plus communities. And then do the work of establishing an advisory committee to hear from the community. And then to develop an action plan that says, and outlines what council's going to do over a number of years to support that community going forward. So it is absolutely fantastic that every council in Victoria now flies the rainbow flag. We're the first jurisdiction in the world where every local government is flying the flag on the same day. And I should note the state government as well, too, outside our state parliament. And I think that's just the beginning of what will be some really meaningful reforms for LGBTIQA plus peoples right across this state.
0: I don't think it's coincidental either that Victoria you know, is the first place in the world to do that, because when you look at all of the LGBTIQ reforms, and I know there's still a long way to go, but if you look at the state government's leadership in that area, and even activists like Rodney Croom are saying, you know, how far Victoria's come over the last, you know, five, six, seven years, it is no coincidence that we're leading on that local government front as well, because of that state government leadership and putting the resources into law reform, but also funding.
1: Absolutely. And hats off to the state government for the work that it's doing in this space. We were really grateful to receive some government funding to run our last uh, Turning Local Government Rainbow Conference, which is a fantastic opportunity for councillors, council officers to connect and understand what other uh, councillors and councils are doing across the state on LGBTIQA inclusion. But we also know state governments will change. And maybe not necessarily always change in ways that are positive for our community. And that's why it's so important that we have local governments doing proactive work to support LGBTIQA plus communities. Because we're not always going to have this opportunity of having a state government that goes out and funds LGBTIQA plus organisations but does the law reform that we need. And that's where local government, I think, can step in.
0: Absolutely. And if you look at all the divisions within the Victorian Liberal Party and, you know, the right-wing elements within the party and the culture wars going on there, you'd have to say that if there was a change of government in Victoria and the Liberals were in power, that they wouldn't necessarily be champions of LGBTIQ rights or reform because of all those internal conflicts.
1: Well, I hope they would be. <laughs> I'd also note that, unfortunately, one of the key proponents of this conflict, Moira Redeeming, has herself had a record in local government. She was a a city councillor in Melton and during one period of time she asked every one of the 79 councils throughout Victoria about whether they would um, erect separate transgender toilets and ban transgender people from using uh, toilets for men and women. Of course, that completely backfired, as it so often does, by people seeking to stir up these culture wars and, in fact... Uh, the councils that responded um, acknowledged the importance of ensuring their public toilets and other spaces are accessible and inclusive for all of their community, including their trans community as well, too. And I think it just goes to show that these um, culture wars that people try and stir up every so often um, within Parliament, or even indeed sometimes in council chambers, as we're unfortunately seeing in Mornington Peninsula Council at the moment, they've not got terribly much traction. Most councillors are wanting to support their community, uh, wanting to focus on the issues that matter to their community, and the community itself doesn't support these kind of nasty culture wars. They support LGBTIQA plus inclusion. They support their trans um, fellow community members, and they don't want to see... politicians, whether that be councillors or elected representatives in Parliament, carrying on with this kind of nonsense.
0: What's happening at Mornington?
1: Well, unfortunately, we've had um, a councillor come out um, um, labelling um, council's um, discussion about flying the progress pride flag permanently from council buildings as a divisive action. It's a, a deeply unfortunate comment um, and the way that it's playing out at the moment through conservative media is even more unfortunate. I want to say just a couple of things. Firstly, that the pride flag itself is not a symbol of division. It's a symbol of inclusion. It recognises that for those councils that fly it, that they accept, embrace and support their LGBTQA plus communities. And secondly, this is incredibly important in Mornington Peninsula because we saw earlier this year the uh, nasty far-right attacks on the council uh, and their youth services team for running a Pride Formal, a simple opportunity for young people to get together um, and to celebrate uh, an important moment in their lives. We know... For so many people. school formals can be a bit of a confronting experience. I don't know if they would be uh, welcomed if they brought along a same-gender couple or if they wore um, clothing that affirmed their gender identity. So we put on events like Pride Formals to provide a safe space for LGBTQA plus young people to celebrate and be themselves. It was so unfortunate to see the nasty attacks in that particular event and it was so good to see Mornington Peninsula Shire Council stand up and say they're going to permanently fly the Rainbow Pride flag because they know they need to send that signal that they are an inclusive municipality. So when councillors choose to use this as, again, another opportunity to prosecute a culture war, it's just bad and unfortunate. It's not what the community wants to see happening. Thankfully, the vast majority of councillors in morning Peninsula and right across the state support gestures like this and support their LGBTIQA communities. So it's not going to change the work the council's doing, but it does mean that we have to spend time debating whether we want to simply fly a flag or not to support the LGBTIQA plus communities. That shouldn't be a debate we need to have in 2023.
0: And so true. The community doesn't want it. I mean, we saw the broad community reaction to the uh, drag story time disruptions. People were were shocked, horrified, you know, totally against it. It was only a small pocket of the community. Well, you wouldn't even say that. It was a handful of people in, you know, various localities that, that were doing it. I mean, it's disappointing when people kind of, you know, try and stir that up again, particularly when those disruptions seem to have ebbed. They seem to have, you know, subsided a tad. Um, Would you say that's accurate?
1: I think that's a fair call. I think it was really around that May period where we have the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Intersex Discrimination and Transphobia that we saw increasing attacks. Kind of ironic when you think it's a day dedicated to eradicating prejudice against LGBTIQA plus communities that we saw these attacks on on LGBTIQA plus events. They have... Subsided a little bit because I always thought that these weren't um, attacks on LGBTIQA communities because um, the people behind them fundamentally oppose story time or drag queens reading stories to children. They were doing it because they wanted to stoke up, as I said, a culture war that brings people into their movement and attracts more interest in the work they're doing. Once they got bored of this issue, they'll move on to the next issue, whether it's complaining about mandatory masks or vaccinations or 5G towers somehow infecting their brains. You know, this is a group of people that are just unhappy with the progress that's being made in society, whether that's in dealing with a pandemic or increasing our access to internet. And they've decided that they wanted to vent their spleen against inclusion activities in local governments and libraries and now they're putting on to their next issue. So I think there isn't really much interest in the community in this nonsense and it's unfortunate that it's popped up a little bit again in Mornington Peninsula but again I do say the council and the vast majority of councillors they're back and support their LGBTIQA plus communities it's just another person that wants to use us as a weapon in a culture war.
0: Sean, to what extent do you think the disruptions towards drag story time have subsided because the number of drag story time events has kind of slowed down?
1: I think that's, that's probably um, a, a product of um, the attacks uh, unfortunately, I think um, there's a little bit more timidity around putting on these events, but it's also um, we've moved out of a major Pride season. I'm a little bit nervous, to be honest, um, going into midsummer next year, but I think the lesson that we learned out of these spate of cancellations is whilst cancelling one event might be said to be for the reason of protecting the safety of people that would have otherwise attended that event it actually creates a broader level of unsafety because those that are attacking one event, be it in Monash or somewhere else, will then go on and be emboldened to attack other events. So that's why it's so incredibly important that councils stand by uh, their staff, they stand by their LGBTQA plus communities and ensure these events go ahead because as soon as we start cancelling them, it makes it more unsafe for those that are continuing to hold these events. And that's why it was so great to see on National coming out, say, um, just some weeks ago, so many councils across the state putting on events, because I think they understand that we need to stay strong in the face of these attacks. And there isn't much community support for these people that are seeking to shut down these events so they can't possibly spread themselves across the state and block every event from going ahead so my advice to councils is stay strong stick with your staff stick with your community we've got people out there to support you whether it's uh, victoria police or the rainbow community Angels, um to ensure these events can go ahead and uh The result of them going ahead means that LGBTIQA plus plus people can feel safe and confident within um, their particular municipality.
0: Sean Mulcahy, always great to hear your voice on 3CR. Always great to hear your insights. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon.
1: James, always a pleasure to speak to you and thank you for all the work that you do in giving... A platform for the many people in our community that are doing great stuff to support inclusion and diversity.
0: Oh look I love it and it's just great to be part of such a vibrant community. Thanks so much Sean.
1: Have a great afternoon.
0: 3CR In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook.